It's surprising in my surroundings. I'm finding the quietest escapes these days. This representation of storm brewing amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my team. Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And I'm so excited to bring you our second episode of Mastering 40, my journey from the worst athletic year of my life to hopefully my best athletic year. I'll also be turning 40 in January and hoping to break 40 in the 10K next summer. And we're off to a start. <laughs> it's not hasn't been a perfect start. That's for sure. I'm going to be doing these podcasts every three weeks, basically every third Monday. I'll bring you these episodes. They'll usually be with the three professionals that I'm working with. So my running coach, James McCurdy, the registered dietitian that I'm working with, who is also a fantastic runner, Starla Garcia, and my sports psychologist and therapist, Adrian Langlier. And all three of them are on the show today. So before we get into all of those conversations, I do want to say a huge thank you. We have five sponsors sponsoring this journey, not just this episode, this journey that I'm on, and I could not be more thankful. So I'm going to be doing ad reads every episode for these guys. You'll also see them in my blog post at the bottom with all the helpful links for you. So not only can you get some of the great stuff that I'm getting, but also get it at a discounted price. You can also find this stuff on my website as well. So huge shout out. My five sponsors. Now, this is in no particular order. And I want to shout out Prevenex. They are basically my supplement brand of choice. I've been using them for a long time. I'm so excited for them to be here. UCAN is here providing running-specific nutrition. I love this stuff. As a coach, I advise all my athletes to use it. It's really, really great stuff. In addition to that, we got Inside Tracker. I'm going to be doing an Inside Tracker test on Tuesday. I'm recording this Sunday morning. In a couple of days, I'll be doing an Inside Tracker test. I'm not great with blood, but it's important. Um, so they're here to help me analyze what's going on with my body from the inside out. Tracksmith is on board, the number one brand in America when it comes to running attire. I shouldn't say America. They're Boston-based, so I think of America. But ultimately, they ship around the world. These guys are the best. They're just the best. And if you've ever worn Tracksmith gear... Well, you're not likely to buy any other gear because they really bring it. Uh, so I'm excited for them to be on. Last but not least, my running shoe sponsor, Atreyu. They're a brand new running shoe company. Came out this year. And my goodness, do I love these shoes. <laughs> that is for sure. So thank you to all of those sponsors. I really appreciate it. Um, first things first, I'm going to do basically a couple ad reads in between each segment with each of my professional specialists I'll be working with. Do a quick ad read right now for my boys over at Prevenex. Not only do they provide really wonderful supplements that I use all the time, like their multivitamin, like Joint Health Plus, which is a great one for me, but what I also love is their vegan protein shakes. These things are so good, and they're not just a protein shake. They're basically like a meal replacement. They're called Neurofi Plus. I like the chocolate, and I like the vanilla. I like to not uncombine them, but I usually alternate uh, which day I use them. They're fantastic. A couple things. I either use them right after my morning run, so I walk in the door, boom, have a shake. That way, I'm um, getting nutrition in my body right when it needs it. But my kids are usually awake or about to come down the stairs when I walk in the door, which means I don't have time to make a really great breakfast. I just don't. Usually, I got to wait like two hours after I wake up to have one of those. Whereas, popping this shake in, shake it up, boom, done. It tastes great. And like so many protein shakes, a lot of the, the you know, the bang for your buck comes in how well it mixes. Because if it's just chunky, and gross, you're just not going to eat it. It just It's not going to happen no matter how good it is for you. And this stuff mixes so well, it's not an issue. 
So I love it. I either have it again right after my morning run, or if I run later in the day or in the evening, I'll have it as my mid-morning snack. So I'll usually around 10, 1030. And I love it. I couldn't recommend it more. Head over to Prevenex.com. That's P-R-E-V-I-N-E-X.com and use code RUNNER15 to say 15% on your first order. So let's get into it with the Mastering 40 Late August Edition. Hey, Adrian. Hey, Matt. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Pretty good. How's how has your week been? Um, it's been oh, how has my week been? I'm trying. To, it's funny, right? I feel like the person who like when you ask them what restaurant they want to eat at, all of a sudden every restaurant <laughs> in the universe like you know leaves their mind, and all they're stuck with is like TGI Fridays. Um, oh, that's awful. <laughs> yeah, I think it's been it's been a pretty normal week. Um. For me, uh, you know, being able to do some more running, which is nice, uh, not in terms of like the length of running, but the amount of times I'm able to do it. I'm back to doing uh, continuous running. So it's kind of like my first, basically like a week and a half uh, doing it. Um, I'm doing some running specific strength work with a local PT place. Um, it's not PT specific, but it's just kind of like that's what they're based out of. Um, and yeah, doing all that. And trying to and really starting to do this whole mastering forty thing in earnest, you know, between you, Starla, and James, and and trying to log it all, and it's just been it's been kind of a, a unique challenge, but it's been pretty fun. Gotcha. Yeah. So, give me some feedback on kind of how the first week has been, just with this whole system around you. I did uh, eavesdrop on you and James's conversation because it's always good to kind of know. Actually, I have. What's great is I can be a fly on the wall with what some of y'all's conversations, which is very helpful because I know where you guys are at with training. And it sounds like this, you know, I think the next few weeks, maybe even months even is all about just consistency and base building. Is that correct? Yeah, that's exactly right. So this past week or so, um, all the runs have been 25 minutes. Same thing for next week. And it's basically four or five days, never three days in a row. Okay. Makes sense. So I don't have the coaching credentials that that gentleman has, but it does make sense. And also, I think mentally, this is going to help you wrap your head around what I'm wanting to do with you is taking that growth model is, okay, where did I start? Like we talked about last time where am I now? You know, and then it's kind of, we want it to be uplifting most of the time to look back at your progress. So I feel, I, I sent you a no, nice little starter pack uh, after our first session, didn't I? Yes. So I must say that your assessment is probably one of the more honest ones I've ever seen. Uh, this is what I love about the adult runner crowd is you've reached kind of a point in your, I guess, in your life and in your athletic career where, you know, being honest is the best thing for you. So much appreciated. But uh, before I kind of give my two cents, give me some feedback on kind of the experience of just kind of picking your own brain a little bit. Well, it's not something that was novel to me. That's for sure. Um, I feel like if anything, I'm doing that all the time. Okay. For me, it was just instead of just keeping it locked inside my own head, I was able to express the thoughts, feelings, and analyses that I've always just had and just, you know, within within your 20, 20 
20 question, you know, Google form. Um, yeah, I, I didn't really have to think too long and hard about each question. That's for sure. Okay. That's exactly how I wanted you to do it is first thing that pops into your head. And I got to make a shout out to my intern, Alyssa. She was the one who made the electronic form. So <laughs> she did a great job on it. So no bugs. It worked out well. Yeah. Yeah. It was totally fine. It was totally fine. So let's just, I guess, for people who are listening to listening to this, what exactly was it and what's its, what's its purpose? Okay. What this purpose is, is just establishing a baseline of kind of where your mindset's at currently. So the assessment I gave, I mean, it's nothing too crazy scientific, but it's the Leshik's nine mental skills of successful athletes. And that looks at nine different domains of mental athletic performance. So it's broken into three categories. And we're not going to be super rigid on these categories in our work, but it's great to get kind of an initial picture. And we look at the basic skills is, you know, positive or negative attitude, motivation levels, goals. I mean, you blew it out of the water with goals um, because you are sitting in the 90th percentile. That is exactly what I wanted to see because that means that you know, the likelihood of you being able to work this process and these steps is very high. Then we go into more prep skills. I extend the prep skills into pretty much everything we do. Uh, And those are two domains of self-talk. It's exactly what it sounds like. What's going on in our heads? Is the chatter positive? Is it negative? You know, what's going on in there? And Some of the best athletes, yeah, they're fast. Yeah, they're fit. But they are masters of fancy word is metacognition. But in reality, it's just being able to think about your own thinking and choose your thoughts when you need to. So this is, you know, this is going to be kind of a, this is something that I know me as an athlete myself, I'm constantly monitoring and adjusting this. Because it's it's just one of those things we have to maintain. So that's kind of what I like to think of as the aerobic fitness of uh, the mental side of running is inner dialogue. And then another skill is imagery. And I will we will probably do uh, some of this on the podcast where I'm going to kind of walk you through various scenarios. We're not there yet, but... And hopefully the audience will get something out of this and they'll learn how to do it too. So those are the the basic two. And usually what happens with the performance prep skills, uh, everything else tends to increase. So motivation, usually we see an upward tick if we do it right. Uh, Being able to control your emotions, that also tends to go up. Your ability to focus is because we're kind of narrowing the scope of what we're paying attention to. Got it? Yes. Cool. And the last is, Leshik calls it performance skills, but this is, uh, we're looking at anxiety, emotional control, and concentration, which your profile is pretty interesting. Um, It looks like you're pretty good at managing the anxiety piece, so you're probably not going to be the guy hanging to the railing at the starting line. But when it comes to kind of holding it together when things get difficult, that looks like an area to address. And kind of based on our conversation, 
last time. Uh, that doesn't surprise me at all. And then we're, you know, about midway when it comes to being able to concentrate. And I think when we just kind of start cleaning up the thought process a little bit, I think that both of those abilities naturally will tend to increase. So essentially, Matt is very goal oriented. Um, You're very good at controlling your anxiety overall. Uh, Attitude, predominantly positive. However, no offense, dude, your self-talk needs some work. Yeah, I see. I'm in the bottom ten percent. So I'm, I'm in. I'm in the ten percent that makes the other ninety percent look good, which I can handle, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just well, trying to help the other people. Well, here's what I see: is you know, me looking at this as a professional is look at all this, and you know, kind of take putting a positive spin on it. Look at all this runway for growth. Um, you know, I think it's. We just get a few weeks in, in with this, you're going to probably start noticing, oh man, I probably, why do I keep telling myself this? Maybe I should flip this around or hopefully you'll be kind of caught, caught in a moment where you're actually give you find yourself automatically talking yourself into the effort or giving yourself a pep talk. That's what we want it to eventually sound like. So that is going to be kind of you know, a big priority is kind of our uh, mental aerobic system is inner dialogue. And I think everybody listening, probably, I think all of us, you know, like I said before, all of us could, could benefit from some work on this. Yeah. And for me, part of this was also navigating these questions in light of, you know, whether or not this was what I'm doing when I'm running versus, or, you know, thinking about running or what have you, just kind of in that genre versus just my normal everyday life, which oftentimes is similar, but sometimes is dissimilar. Right. So can you get, uh, so when it's the similarities, can you give me some kind of examples for that? I'm not very goal oriented in my personal life. (laughs) I can tell you that. Um, Goals usually is much more, um, in my running life or sometimes in my professional life, but even from a professional standpoint, I don't have like huge goals. It's more just process stuff. Um, But even then it's not even, it's not really that it's just kind of getting into habits and things, Um, you know, and then in terms of dealing with my emotions, I was surprised I was as high as I was, which even really wasn't that high. I was at the 40th percentile. I would have thought I would have been lower than that. Um, just knowing me, um, I kind of view self-talk and emotions maybe incorrectly, but for me, I kind of view them as, um, kind of one in the same on on certain levels. Um, so to see that there was a disparity between the two was a surprise. Um, and yeah, I would say that's, that, that's a big thing. Um, you know, probably anxiety is probably a little bit higher in the personal life than it is in the athletic life. Yeah, being a dad to, to to young kids is not easy, is it? Well, and working at home and raising a puppy, so there's all that stuff that goes into it. Yeah, yeah, there's that, and then also just you're know, trying to be a good husband too. Um, I can't say I'm the best at that either. Uh, so I think a lot of that play, you know, can kind of kind of commingle um, gotcha, into gotcha. some of this stuff. Gotcha. Because also, like the, the the especially with the training stuff, 
it's so interrelated with the other parts of my day because it's a matter of like, all right, well, when am I training? How much time am I spending training? Am I doing it when the people in my house are awake or not? Right. Why or why not? You know, and then all of those things. Gotcha. So you mentioned that you were surprised that the emotional score was where it was. Uh, can you explain that a little bit to me? Yeah. Um, I guess I feel like my self-talk is usually a byproduct of the emotions that I'm feeling. Okay. I get that. So so when I see like the self-talk at 10 out of 100, first of all, I'm not going to argue with that point. I think it's probably right on the money. Um, I guess for me, it, they're, they're one in the same in terms of usually the self-talk has a causational effect starting first with the emotions. Gotcha. So can you give me an example, uh, maybe from a race you've run or something like that in the past? Give me a good example and a bad example for when it's helped you and when it's been positive and when it's been basically in the gutter. Uh, see, with, with racing, it's different with racing. I don't race a whole lot, mm -hmm. uh, which has always been, um, you know, especially over the past year, I really haven't raced, raced at all. Um, I would say... You know, the, the key, the, the things that are often, you know, I think, first of all, and maybe this is incorrect, but this is just the first thing that came to mind is, you know, when I, as a basketball player, which was, I spent most of, a large portion of my life, that was the major sport that I was playing. And even after I was done playing in college, I would play pickup and the, these issues would persist is, you know, I was just a complete head case. Like I could not control my emotions. Anything would trigger my emotions, both positively and negatively. Like there was, there wasn't an action or activity that would happen on a basketball court that I could just perceive without attaching judgment to it. And then feeding off of that judgment. And then my emotions would just run roughshod over my mental process. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Now from a running perspective, that's not exactly the same. Like, I think there's a level of, there's less judgment from a running perspective um, than there was earlier on in my life with the basketball perspective. Um, so I can't say it's necessarily one of the same um, in terms of the emotions and self-talk, especially within a race. You know, I think there was, say there was, I think it was three years ago, I was running a 5K and like I had gone into the race. It wasn't with my current coach. It was my previous coach, who's Caitlin Gray Goodman. You might know her. She's uh, an elite runner and, and a very good coach, frankly. Um, I went into the race. We had thought that I'd run, you know, a specific pace. We thought it was actually pretty conservative. It wasn't like a stretch goal or anything. Yeah. You know, and I didn't come anywhere near the pace. I mean, nowhere near it after the first mile. Okay. Um, especially the last mile was like, I was off by like 45 seconds per, you know, in the last mile and weather was not really that much of an issue um, in terms of the weather wasn't different than what we thought it was going to be, I guess is a way of saying it. Um, and then just during the race, like I, I just, I, I felt like, so, you know, I just had that feeling of defeat. Okay. And like, I can't say that I gave in necessarily, but it was like, this is as fast as I'm running today. And boy, was this not what I was expecting. You know, so you cross the finish line, you're like, oh, good God, like that was awful. Yeah. So what did, was there a moment, I uh, colloquially, colloquially call it the oh crap moment in a race, is where, you, where it ceases to be fun or what you see is not what you expect? Because I think that that's a pretty pivotal moment in a lot of races, even workouts 
where we kind of have to, maybe the body is not responding like we want it to, but that's when our thought process kind of takes over and is able to mitigate a little bit. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So what, this race you were just referencing, did you have one of those moments? It was it was a while ago, so it's hard for me to say with a high degree of accuracy. Um, but with that being said, it was just kind of more of like a general feeling of like, I just don't have it. It's not there. Um, I'm slowing down. Not dramatically. This wasn't like this dramatic moment where you could pinpoint like this was the moment where the wheels came off. It was just more of like, it's, I'm slowly slowing down and I just don't have it. Um, and for me, that was a very airplane propeller, just sputtering out something like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just kind of like the slow, it's more like a slow burn. Yep. Um, and uh, yeah. So like, again, and there's like the frustration around that of like, wow, like I wasn't even running my goal pace when I started feeling this way. And like now I'm like not even coming close to my goal pace. You know, then for me, the self-talk then devolves into like, why do I even bother? Like, you know, because yeah. because and, and the reason it goes there is um, and people who've listened to the show may have heard me say this in the past. I don't harp on it all the time. I've said it very rarely, but I have said it is um, I've never in my life hit the goal, not goal pace, but like here hit like the projected time that my that a coach has set for me for a race. And I've had three really, really good coaches okay. um, and coaches that knew me very well. Right. Uh, and I've never had a race where like, OK, I think that this is what we should aim for today. Not like a goal, not a stretch goal. Like this is fitness. This is where you're at. And I think this is what you can expect. And here's how we can make sure that you get to that point during this race in terms of like, you know, either pacing or let's look at the elevation of the the course. And I've never once hit those times. And so I'm aware of that fact. So when I'm all of a sudden, (laughs) all of a sudden uh, going down that road again of like, what is happening? Um, How my, how can my practice, not my practice, my training, my fitness and training isn't necessarily correlating to race day. And it's like, all right, there wasn't like this, this, this crazy moment of like, all right, the wheels came off. Let's pinpoint that much more like, Oh, what's happening. I thought I was fitter than this. And it's like, Oh wow. I ran that last mile, like at a pace where I did a tempo workout at that same pace, five miles. And like, I'm now, now it's like the, the third mile of a 5k I'm running in that pace. So it's confusion, which probably turns into frustration and disappointment. And then the dialogue, just like, why do I bother? What's going on? You know, all that kind of stuff. So let's, let's rewrite this narrative, shall we? If let's say somebody was on a bike next to you or floating above you or anything like that, maybe it's your coach, maybe it's your wife, uh, doesn't really matter. In those moments where you start getting frustrated, you start getting confused, and the inner dialogue turns south, what would you want to hear and what would be helpful in that moment? Man, that's a tough question. I got to be honest. I, part of me is like, I don't want to hear anything because I just feel like 
I'm going to have to respond to what I'm hearing. And I just, and I just don't want to think about it. I just don't, I want it. I want this, like, I want this negative cycle to just be over without me dwelling on it in the moment. Um, okay. You know, I guess that's like my very first th- instinct of like, all right, things are obviously not going well. Things are going wrong. And if someone's like, it's okay. Or like, I'm trying like, I'm trying to think of something that would be beneficial or helpful. And everything that I'm thinking about is like, Oh God, that would, that would just annoy me. Okay. Or like, Oh man, that would like, <laughs> that wouldn't help me. I'd all of a sudden that that's what I'd be focusing on. I'd be thinking of like a retort for that comment or whatever. I need to know what these annoying comments would be. Okay. So if someone like, and, and I can't, it's hard for me to like call them annoying because the comments aren't annoying. It would be my judgment of the comments. Okay. But, um, in your you know, the, the comments it's annoying to Matt while running a 10 K like this is really good information for me. So I know what to not do and maybe what to challenge you on. So hit me. Well, it's, it's not even what, to, what not to say to Matt when he's running a 10 K it's like when, when all of a sudden things aren't going well, it's just like, it just feels like any kind of positivity. Okay. It would just feel trite. So like you can do it or like, it's all right, Matt, you've done, you, you can push through this or you've pushed through this before. Um, or I don't know. I'm trying to think of some other things, but like, say like those say, those are some generic comments. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like those kind of comments, I would just immediately be like, well, they're not meaningful to you in the moment. No, no, not at all. Gotcha. And you know, honestly, uh, for a lot of runners and I kind of fall into that category myself, I don't need in that moment, I don't need to know when I'm when I hit the pace that I'm not hitting currently. I'm c- couldn't agree with you more. It's not useful. So, you know, how, like, like I said, we're not going to we don't have to be unicorns and sunshine positive. What would be something functional to help you manage that moment? Like, what are some statements that we can put together? How can we essentially coach ourselves? to just be able to work with where we're at. Cause if we can do that, you know, we, if we can manage that, I think you'll be at, at the very least, you'll be able to look back and be like, okay, that was really, really tough. It's not what I wanted. However, maybe I pushed through like I've never pushed through before. So what would be some ways to kind of just more manage neutral functional line of thinking? Because before we can get positive, sometimes we just have to be just very basic. I guess it would have to be, I guess the focus would have to be on effort okay. more than anything else. Okay. Um, uh, as opposed to the actual pace that you're running. Oh. I'm like, all right. So like right now you should be feeling like you're running at 90 to 95% effort. Like make sure you're at that point. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like, all right, am I at that point? I don't know. Let's figure it out. Right. Or like, all right, right now you should feel like you're, again, depending where you are in the race, where I am in the race. Um, You know, let's just say that, right? So say it's a half mile left in a 5K. Yep. It's, you know, it's all right. Like you should be pretty close to redlining here, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, this, this should, you should be feeling discomfort. You should be redlining. You should be breathing really, really hard. Um, Again, not focusing on pace, really focusing on, um, kind of the, the physiological manifestations of whatever you're trying to do from a pace perspective. Yeah. Good old sensory data. Yeah. 
You know, I wear a GPS all the time. Uh, I recently started working with a coach uh, after being self-coached for about three years. And I got really hooked on just timed runs. And he wanted to put a GPS on me. And I was just like, wait a minute, I'd like start judging when there's a GPS on me. And then I, that, that's been a challenge to where we pull the emotion off what the watch is saying and pay attention to, okay, what is my body saying? Because uh, usually it's, they're not always in sync. It's actually more of a rarity when we're just like, oh, you know, this, this effort feels exactly like this, especially kind of early on. But anyway, before I lose myself in words over here, is you were spot on with what we want it to start sounding like internally is this is normal. This is how I'm supposed to feel. And, a, you know, a cue that I recommend a lot of times is stay on the edge, It which, which is going to change depending on where you're at, say on a race course or during a workout or something like that. Um, but you want to not go to that point to where we're trying to get the watch to say a certain thing. It's when your body says, this is good. And we get to that point, that's when we kind of start, you know, just talking ourselves through it is, okay, you know, run this tangent, stay on this straightaway, you know, relax your shoulders, relax your jaw. This is, this is some of the stuff that actually is, I think it's, it's most useful most of the time. And I think as you're getting back in shape, you can definitely use some of the cues to relax. And you're basically starting to reprogram your 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 software by using words that are more functional and not so emotional. Because I think what's happened in the past is feelings and thoughts just get completely tangled up. So you almost don't know the difference between the two. So, you know, we want to get a handle on regulating that. Got it? Yeah. Cool. So just a, a little bit of, give me some feedback on, uh, is that something that you think would jive with the way your mind works? Uh, because, you know, I, we could, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm trying to tailor make, you know, all this for you. So I want to make sure that this actually is something that you can see yourself implementing. Yeah, I think that's, I think that works. Um, you know, I think that we're talking about something that's going to be something I'll use down the line. You know, I'm not, yeah. I'm not really at a point physically to test myself in any meaningful way. So it's just going to be more of, you know, either something that, you know, I'm just thinking theoretically right now so that maybe it's ingrained in me when I'll need it later. Yep. 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 And you can actually, even though you're just running about 25 minutes is I would highly encourage you to uh, just every now and then just practice this stuff. I know it sounds silly, but, you know, practice. Re- okay. Let, let's, re- let's run, relax. Let's run tall. You know, my cadence feels good right now. My effort feels good. Oh, okay. Yeah. I do. I do that all the time. I do that. I do that sort of thing constantly. I thought you meant more of like run the edge, like in more of like a running hard type scenario. Which which, I mean, yeah, there is a place for that, but I think this actually, we can use it on our easy runs. We can use it when we're running hard as well. Um, Cause we get stressed out when we're running hard. And that's why it's so difficult to regulate our emotions because humans love to be comfortable. But if we have kind of a set pattern of 
of thinking and kind of uh, some go-to tools. If we take what we do mentally, we learn to do that in training and put take that to and translate that to race day. That's when we start hitting our paces. Okay. It's the same mind. It's it's never going to be the exact same mindset because you know there's going to be adrenaline, there's going to be anxiety. A race, it race is different. The you know the the uh, course is different, all that kind of stuff. But we want to work on just keeping the internal as consistent as possible. So you up for a homework assignment? Let's do it. Awesome. So did I send you the mental training log yet? You did, and I didn't do it. And I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed oh, of my inability to get that done. You can you you can do let, let's set a reasonable goal. How can we do how about we do one a week? I I, I want to do more because it's important that I log this okay. just from like a year perspective. Like I want to get a really good at the end of the year, I want to be able to look back and know exactly what kind of what happened. Yeah. You know, consistently throughout. So while I didn't do it last week, it's not because I don't want to do it. I think it's important for short term and long term to do it. So um so I have like the sheet, like it's like basically like a word document. Do you want me to like create like a how do you want me to send it to you, I guess? Yeah, just you can just take the word document, upload it to a Google Doc. That's the easiest and probably most secure way to do it. So just have like a new sheet for every day. So kind of like a digital journal, I guess? Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Okay. I think maybe right after the run, uh, this turns into kind of like stretching is you kind of record some days, you know, there may be a lot more insight than others, uh, but we want to always be looking at, okay, what, what went right today? Uh, what was distracting me? Or was there anything distracting me? What's a small adjustment that I would change? Because the whole thing is, we're working on separating the thoughts from the emotions and making making running a little bit more of an objective experience. So do you want me to do this right after the run? So typically I'm going to be running like first thing in the morning. So is that when you want me to do it? Yeah, what works best for you? Or I guess the reason I ask is because if I do it first thing in the morning, like and then I'm really only capturing, you know, the, the 90 minutes I've been awake as opposed to doing it at night. I would then be capturing the full, you know, 18 hours or so. Um, it doesn't matter to me. I just want to make sure that I'm I'm cataloging all of the hours that you want me to. Yeah, this is where I want you to kind of take the reins on it and you decide what works best for you. Uh, you know, I do, uh, that being said, I do like kind of at the end of the day because you would have more time to, especially as you start running more, more time to think about, because sometimes our sometimes we're spot on and it's reliable data when we're done. Sometimes we need a few hours to kind of process. Oh well, I like this. This wasn't that great. Maybe I, you know, bit off more than I can chew here or something like that. So do it with according with how how it works best with your brain and your schedule. To be quite honest, okay. Like everybody's different when it comes to. Uh, you know, kind of logging things and putting stuff down. So I think, I think end of the day will work better for another reason. And that is like, I basically run first thing in the morning so that when I'm home, like, I know that's like roughly the time my kids are going to be waking up. So it's like, you know, so it's going to be a little madness in the Chittim house when when I come home from the run. (laughs) Gotcha. 
Yeah. That, that being said, I do my logging at night. So, because it's, you know, I know it's going to be uninterrupted. My phone's not going to be going off. And even if it does, I know I'm not obligated to answer anything at that point. And I'm all good and relaxed. So yeah, let, let's go with that. And uh, I would just maybe, you know, not to micromanage or anything, but stick a little reminder maybe on your phone or something just to get in the habit of it or maybe print one out, keep it visible. I mean, whatever system works for you. Okay. That sounds good. Well, Matt's, Matt's got some work to do. So I do. This is, the, I, th- I swear to God, this is going to be like the hardest part of the Mastering 40 journey is logging all this stuff. Cause this is like, I am not an organized person by nature. And I shouldn't say by nature, it's probably more by nurture, but it's, um, it's definitely going to be, <laughs> this is going to be in some ways, like just as hard as the, uh, as the athletic part and the eating part and the sleeping part. Like they feel like this is going to be a, an active component that I'm going to have to spend some especially early on setting up the mental energy and habits to get that part, get my arms around it. Yeah, it will. If you do it enough, I say, if you do this for a month, this will become part of your routine. Um, So I, you know, I challenge you for the next 14 days. Uh, I'm an 80% kind of person. Uh, If we get 80% of this done, I consider that a high success. Okay. So don't beat yourself up if, you know, you skip a day is we want to go back to that mantra is all I have to do tomorrow's another day. You know, we will get this done then. You know, I can let's get one percent better today. How would you feel if I just was writing this down like in like a like a literal physical journal and just like uploading a picture of each day? Would that work? Yeah, I want it. I, I, yeah, it's like I'm so adaptive to my ath- the way my athletes think and do things. So I'm totally cool with that. That and sometimes picking up a little book just feels nice. So I still use a paper training journal. Like I use V.02 to log my workouts, but I love the paper. So works for me. All righty. All right. Sounds good. Well, perfect. Uh, last thing, uh, this popped into my head kind of an afterthought on the logging. How good are you with logging your uh, stuff in VDOT? Uh, I'm good at it. Yeah. I mean, you know, because I have a watch, it does upload automatically. Um, and then I do like to put in just a quick, you know, sentence or two uh, for James. Okay. Yeah. You do, you do have the advantage of it being uploaded. So, yeah, well, we're going we're gonna to download at the end of the day. How's that sound? All right. Deal. Cool. Well, I don't know, my friend. I think this is about all I got for you today. Anything else that you wanted to cover? No, no, this this sounds great. Um, and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll start doing those logs and then I'll start, you know, make sure that I'm uploading them to you um, and we'll we'll take it from there. Sounds great. All right. Thank you. Hey guys, I want to give a couple shout outs here before we get to my next pro that I'm working with. First things first, you can't tell you what, when it comes to making sure that you are hydrated and ready to run, you can is where it is at. They have the super starch. All right. That provides the long lasting energy without the spike or crash of other sugary drinks or mixes or anything else you're going to use. They don't have the malodextrin that so many of these products rely on. And it provides you that even state of energy, which is so important, uh, especially if you're having that long run or on these hot days where I just feel like I just get drained so easily and I'm just so sensitive to sugar. 
So even just from a daily use perspective, I love using their bars. For me, it's the salted peanut butter bar, which is I'm just a huge fan of. And this stuff is great because it not only is it filling and it provides you with all the fuel you'll need, whether you're taking the you can hydrate like the strawberry kiwi before the run or after the run or just having the more uh, you can energy, which is, you know, provides a little more energy on the run. It's great either right before or take it during. So if you're on a long run, popping that into your bottle, which is great. Or again, just having a bar as for me, I like to have it as a late afternoon snack. So around three ish, I like to have their bars uh, kind of hold me over until dinner. So go over there right now. Go to youcan.co. That's U C A N dot C O and use code RR uh, can. So it's Rambling Runner can. So RR can at youcan.co. Go there today, save 15% and get the best energy and running nutrition in the business. Also, before we get to my next pro, I also want to give a huge shout out to Inside Tracker. I'm doing an Inside Tracker test on Tuesday. Why do I want to do that? Well, I may know how I look in the mirror. I may know how I feel when I do kind of a self-assessment and try to figure out what's going on in my life. Ultimately, what I don't know is exactly what's happening inside my body. And that is what Inside Tracker can help me out with. So whether it's, how's my vitamin D? How's my iron? How's my ferritin? How's my you name it, you know, almost, you know, we're talking about 40 different biomarkers they're going to test you for. They also have the inner age. They also have the immunity test. They have so many things going on in terms of what they're able to provide to their customers that you get a true and accurate picture of exactly what's going on with your body. And, and this is why it's important to me, not only capturing that, but then capturing it every three to four months or so to see how you're coming along. The other one is, you know, especially for someone like me, is testosterone. I've had testosterone go up and down in my life. And when it, you know, when you hit the valley with testosterone, you know, it's not great. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely, you know, something that can really affect you in so many ways. And, you know, for some people, they feel the same way if they're low in ferritin or they're low in the vitamin D. And it can really be this pervasive thing. And making sure that you're on top of this is so important because you can't look in the mirror or hop on a scale and tell this stuff. You need to get your blood work done. And I trust Inside Tracker. So go to InsideTracker.com and use code INSIDE20. Spell that all out. Don't just, not the numbers 20. Spell it out. Inside20 to save 20%. And that's a huge number because you get their ultimate package. There's a lot in there. And if you're saving 20%, that can really, really help you out. In addition, I have a link in the show notes that you can click right on it. You'll get right to that page and save the money that you need to save. So let's get into it back again with my featured co-hosts and professionals. Hey, Starla. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm excited to chat. I've had a lot of time to think about our first, our first call, our first conversation, which is really two separate one hour conversations <laughs> going over like every food in the known universe, um, in its positives and, uh, and challenges and things like that. So that there's a lot for me to take from it. So I really appreciate you putting in the time to dissect all that stuff. Yeah, definitely happy to. Um, today, what we're going to do is just kind of review a little bit of some of the things that you felt like were more challenging. So if you don't mind, we can start there and then we can move into like some of the big wins of the week. So was there anything that you felt like was super challenging over the last week and a half, two weeks? Um, yeah, definitely. So um, I guess two things in particular. Uh, mid-afternoon snack, and then like late night. Um, so mid-afternoon snack, I have been like just absolutely craving food 
from like three ish on. Mm-hmm. And it's just been so strong, uh, spe- especially in like the last week. Um, and then the other thing, we can dive into that in a second, but so that was, that's one thing. And then the other thing was, um, I've just been staying up late. So we, you know, we have the puppy and the whole, like getting the puppy to be not, um, he's not completely housebroken right now, but what he's able to do starting like two days ago is go through like from 10 to six at night without having to go to the bathroom. So before that I was like staying up to like midnight and it was just like, I was binge eating for sure. Um, at night because I'd get hungry again around like 11 ish because I hadn't eaten in a while. Um, now that's not a long term problem, but that's going to be one of those things where it's, um, you know, going to bed earlier is something that I know is going to help me on all fronts, you know, in terms of like just you know, mental health, my training, and then also nutrition because y- you can't eat if you're not awake. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, yeah. so that's kind of the, the two main things. This week or the past couple of weeks that have been a challenge. Okay, perfect. So some of the things that I did see in your logs, and this is again why I really like to use logging to just see what's going on with nutrition later on in the day. So a couple of things I did see, and this could be adding to some of like that snacking um, mid afternoon, and that would be like whenever you have like a meal. Rep- I wouldn't say the meal replacement, but um, maybe like some days where you just had the eggs with spinach and there's no carb there. I think that's where maybe some of the days you're having a little bit more snacking happening. Um, Cause I know like there was one day here, like you had the, the chocolate smoothie um, from Prevenix and then you had breakfast, a snack, lunch. And then I'm wondering if later on like that day you were still feeling snacky. Um, cause that looks like a pretty good day of like eating so far. Another day here, like August 2nd, it was the eggs or chicken sausage and spinach scramble. And then there was a snack and then there was lunch. So I'm wondering if maybe on those days where you have an egg scramble, we need to be adding maybe like a slice of toast with nut butter or adding a little bit more at lunchtime, like another fruit or a Greek yogurt or something like that. What do you think? Yeah. So in the beginning, say two weeks ago, I was doing the, so basically I basically have the same breakfast every morning now. Mm-hmm. So like my, this is my, my food breakfast because I'll have a shake. Like the plan is basically like if I do my morning runs, which I normally leave the house at five for, um, is to have like the shake, Basically, as soon as I come home, right in the door, make the shake. Because at that point, I'm coming home and like my kids are coming downstairs. So I just don't have enough time in the moment to do my thing. Um, and then have, you know, kind of a more proper breakfast at like eight ish. So that kind of like gives me some immediate nutrition and also like allows me to kind of like get into my day. And then eight o'clock or so, I'll have like my normal breakfast, which would be two egg scramble with spinach and chicken sausage, which I'm loving. So that that's kind of been the main thing. It's pretty filling. So it's hard to have like the bread with peanut butter on it as well. Like it just it just feels like a lot. And maybe that's still worth it, but it does it does feel like just the egg scramble like in the moment it feels like I'm pretty full. Right. Okay, then perfect. So it definitely probably isn't that then if you're having the the shake after a run and then the egg scramble. So you're probably meeting your amounts there. 
Um, and then some days I do see like you'll have the shake later on mid morning. So great. Um, when you're at lunchtime, let's see there. Um, do you have, are you full going into, into lunch or are you feeling satisfied already after you eat like your sandwich? Yeah. So the sandwich I've been having is, um, two slices of Turkey with spinach, American cheese, some mayonnaise on a whole wheat bun. So I've basically just been doing that every time. Um, it's just easier to buy the stuff and you just kind of get in the habit of making it. So that, that feels good. Um, what I've been doing with it is, is just having some fruit alongside of it. Uh, whether that's blueberries or apples, so kind of like the, my, those are the two main ones that I'll have. Um, yeah, I could probably eat more, frankly. Um, but then I'm, I was just kind of like, I don't want to mess it up. I know this was good and this was healthy. Let's just stick with this kind of feeling to it. Um, and maybe that's, maybe, maybe it isn't enough. I don't know. It's hard for me to tell. So it sounds like volume wise, it's pretty good. I think you may need a little bit more protein at lunchtime then from what it sounds like. If it's just the two slices, let's, let's go up to three to four of those slices for you. And usually with men, uh, I try to get my men closer to 30, like 25 to 30 grams of protein at mealtimes. And I think you're probably right now with the two slices of turkey, like 15-ish, 20. And so I'm, you probably need a little bit more than that. Would like a glass of milk help with that? You can also do that. Yes. I was going to be another one because I was thinking if, at breakfast time, if you can't get in like an extra slice of toast with peanut butter, we could see either at breakfast or lunch, we add the, a glass of milk. All right. Yeah. Cause I mean, I love drinking milk for sure. You know, we have like this service where it's like this home delivery service from like a local farm and it's yeah. like, it's really good. Like I can't, okay. my kids like can't get enough of it. So like <laughs> if I can throw that in there for sure, I'm in. Okay. Perfect. So let's go ahead and do that thing. Cause that'll get you close, closer to 20, maybe a little bit over 20 grams of protein then. Um, how have your other lunches been, um, other than the turkey sandwich? Is that kind of just your go-to now? Yeah, it really has been my go-to. I think the other, you know, so the other moves would potentially be, um, I haven't been, um, I haven't done like the canned chili yet or made like my own chili, or we just haven't had many, um, many dinners that had leftovers, which is always kind of like a go-to move for me in the past in terms of like a, like a healthy go-to move. So the other thing was, oh, I shouldn't say that because I did have like some one day, and this, this led to a huge, huge snacking binge was I had like a pasta salad for lunch with like a little bit of protein, probably not a lot. Um, and then one day I had like basically like like leftover meatloaf from the night before, which I mean, I loved. It was great, but um, it wasn't very diverse in terms of other foods. It was basically just the meatloaf, um, <laughs> meatloaf with ketchup. And, um, you yeah, know, that was certainly filling for sure. And I'm sure I definitely hit my protein quote on that one. But um, that was that's been pretty much it in terms of the variety. Okay. Yeah. And I did look at that pasta salad and it was pretty down in protein just by the looks of it. So 
let's say you guys did do that again with the, the broccoli and then grapes. I would actually encourage maybe having a piece of the meatloaf alongside the pasta salad and grapes. Yeah. Like it wasn't, it, that wasn't like the same meal. So I did, that wasn't actually an option in terms of combining them. Um, that was just me being like, all right, I'm just going to have this. And like, I just had, I hadn't had, I didn't have any pre-made meat on hand. I guess when we say protein, are if we just saying like, when we say that for these meals, is that basically just meaning meat or like what, what are some other like non, I'm all, I'm all for meat. I'm not a vegetarian or anything, but I'm just saying like, what are other potential non-meat options that might be easier to put together that might pack a little bit of a protein punch? Yeah, perfect question. So here it would be things like we could always do like boiled eggs. I know you're doing eggs already, so you may feel kind of burnt out if you did that. But there's boiled eggs. You could always do tuna packets, salmon packets. And normally like tuna packets are anywhere from like 10 to 15 grams of protein. And it's like those air sealed ones. Um, Salmon packets, they'll range anywhere from 15, 20 to 30 grams. I know yesterday at the grocery store, I was looking at them just to verify and they do sell them up to 30 grams of protein. So that's a great option too. And you don't have to cook it. You just open up the packet and dump it on something. So super, super easy and convenient one right now. Um, especially if like you're not wanting to go to the grocery store very often, that's a great one. Um, so salmon packets, there's also cottage cheese. Um, that one's also really great. And other options here could always be like, again, the glass of milk. There's always like frozen chicken options that are already pre-cooked. Or I know like I've encouraged like turkey meatballs and things like that because they're already pre-cooked. You just heat them up. The chicken sausage is a really easy one. Um, turkey slices, roast beef is another great option too. Yeah. And that's the thing is that buying the right amount of cold cuts, like I wasn't even sure how much to buy. So like I'm already like running low. I think when grocery store on Saturday, it's Monday. I'm like, oh, this is definitely not going to last. I only have like one or two more days of the sucker. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. Other things too could always be like beans. So like garbanzo beans are pretty popular with a lot of my runners. Um, edamame because it's frozen and you can buy a bag of shelled edamame and then you can also put it on a salad or in the pasta salad. That would have also been a really good option. Either one of those two. Okay. But if you guys are doing meatloaf and you find that that's a common one that you have left over, I would definitely combine it with maybe another option. So I put this here just so we also, we also kind of think about it or think through it the next time. But in terms of thinking on your feet, that was really good. That would have been something I would have done too. Yeah. Something else I think I need to consider is, yeah, I'm not, I had never done like the meal prep stuff and I definitely see the value in it. Um, you know, I'm not going to meal prep breakfast, yeah. You know, I'm just going to like cook it all in the skillet, basically what is how it works. Um, lunch really isn't that big of a deal, putting it together in the morning for to have it in the afternoon. Um, but, you know, I guess as things evolve and maybe when I get maybe sick of some of these sandwiches or I want some, maybe just alternating them day in, day out is coming up with some sort of plan for like, all right, if I'm cooking dinner, say I'm having, I don't know, example, it's like chicken for dinner maybe buying extra and like just cooking more 
so I can have some for later in the week, kind of like instead of like accidentally like stumbling upon leftovers, like kind of like planning to have leftovers, I guess. Yes, exactly. So what I like to really call this would be batching. So you batch cook things ahead of time or maybe choosing like, you know, two days out of the week, like a weekend on a Sunday or Saturday, and then maybe a Tuesday, Wednesday batch cooking another protein. One of my clients loves to do this and it really helps him because he gets a good variety. And if he will do like five days of the same protein option, he gets really, really bored and he will fall off or he just ends up, you know, wasting a lot of it and ends up eating out. So it's been a good way for him to have variety and then still have less food waste. Um, you may not have like a lot of food waste in your home because you do live with um, your family, but in terms, I think like just giving enough variety for other people too, that could be something to do. Um, so some things that most of my families will batch would be like a grain, a bean, maybe one or two vegetables and a protein, and then they'll kind of mix and match from there. Yeah. The problem with how like doing like the beans mm-hmm. is that like, I'm the only one in the house that likes them. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's just figuring out like, all right, how am I going to use these things? You know, so it's not as if like other people in the, fo- other people in the house are going to use them. I'm not going to have them for dinner ever. Right. It would just be for lunch. Um, so not that that's not a reason to do it. It just, it wouldn't be part of like some sort of like dinner overcooking type thing. Uh, it would definitely be like its own little, own little project. Okay. So then that means that maybe like a canned version would work much better for you. Yeah. Yeah. Or, definitely. or like a frozen option. Yeah. Is that something that you want to do moving into this week is maybe plan for one day this week, see how it goes. And then maybe we can check in over the weekend and say like, Hey, like how did this go? And then we'll plan for something on Sunday or Saturday and then plan again for a weekday. What do you think? Like see how I feel like with more, more proteins at lunch or, or for doing like food prep stuff. Um, for like batching. So that way you do have a little bit more for lunchtime too. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I think, I think that will, I can see if that works. So like, you know, so we're recording the, we're talking on Monday. So I've already done the grocery shopping for the week. So there are certain things that I know we're going to have for dinner that like, there's almost no way there's going to be any leftovers. Um, and there's other things like I did buy, so like two like New York strips that were each, you know, decent size. You know, and for us, like that will definitely have leftovers. Okay. So, um, like that, so that, so that could work. So I think I'm probably kind of, I'm probably not prepared to do like a lot of batching this week, but I can definitely plan for it next week. Okay, perfect. That works. Um, let's since the since you have the New York strips for this week, let's maybe plan for a day like Wednesday to maybe have them. What do you think? Or we could always plan for tomorrow. Yeah. That, that was the plan for me is to, to, to frost them and then have them tomorrow night. Okay. Perfect. Cause then you would have maybe like one to two extra meals out of that. Awesome. So for this weekend and going into the next weekend, some things that you guys can batch would be maybe like a pasta 
and maybe doing like another pasta salad, just like you guys did before. I think that's a great one because it seems like you were just able to take it out, eat it. Um, but then there was just the protein problem. So I think maybe planning for something like that could be super helpful. What do you think? Yeah. So I've never actually made pasta salad. That was actually, um, we had, we had like a, a dinner over at my mom's place and she had made that one, which was really good. Like She made this enormous <laughs> bowl. So it was like leftovers for everybody. But, um, yeah, I mean, that, that one was, is really good. I mean, I particularly like that pasta salad. Um, so yeah, I, I, um, Hmm. That's a good question in terms of like what exactly to put together that, um, that I feel comfortable making. Again, pasta salad is not like the hardest thing to make in the world. So like, I'd feel comfortable like creating one for sure. Um, and then how long does like, how long does like, if you make like a tuna salad type thing, how long does that like last for? Is that just not something that logistically would stay for, you know, several days? I feel like that would be maybe like two days. Um, that would be appropriate. Yeah. I feel like the third day, it wouldn't look very appealing. So, um, maybe just the two days would be appropriate here. Okay. All right. So you could always do like a pasta salad and then you can always take a tuna packet and then dump it on top or like a salmon packet. Okay. Another option as well could always be like a quinoa salad option. And then you can add on a protein and like an easy vegetable. All right. So for mid-afternoon snacks, what I have been trying to do is basically some version of like a Kashi trail mix bar, which I love. I love those things. Um, or, you know, I'll have like little like Colby Jack cheese squares, you know, like, the, you know, the packet you can get at the store where like mm-hmm. they're pre-cut. Yeah. You know, so like some of those, um, maybe some fruit, but ultimately maybe this is more of a byproduct of my lunch than my afternoon snack, but it, you know, it never, <laughs> it never like solves the problem. Like, again, I think like the snack, those snacks in themselves are probably just fine, but I'm always like, oh, more, more, please more. And like, I find myself just like eating straight through to dinner. Mm-hmm. Like they're just not really being a break. It's just like, just constant munching for like 90 straight minutes. Okay. So do you think it's more like stress related or real hunger related? That's a good, that's a good question. (laughs) Certainly that could certainly be um, a trigger. Also, I think it's also just part of like me being a little more bored during that time, usually in the morning, early afternoon um, I'm working. Mm -hmm. So I'm just, I'm kind of just doing stuff. Whereas sometimes I just have a hard time differentiating like sometimes between like hunger and boredom or not even caring the differentiation. I'll just eat because I'm just not doing anything else kind of thing. They'll just like, when I say nothing else, like I'm watching the kids, I'm watching the dogs, but like, I'm not like actively doing stuff. You know what I mean? I'm not involved in like some sort of task um, physically or mentally. Okay. So what do you think that you could do during that time if once you start feeling that urge to eat, is there anything that you feel like would bring you joy or I don't want to say distraction either? Um, because if you are hungry, I don't want you to distract yourself from your hunger because that's important. But is there anything that you feel like brings you joy that you haven't been doing? It's hard. So 
I mean, so much of it ends up becoming or feeling like it's dependent on like whatever my kids are up to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But because it's summer, it's like it's hard to just be outside all day. Yeah. You know, it's just so darn hot. So sometimes they're outside, but sometimes they're not. Um, so I feel like if we're outside and we're active, then then like then we're fine. Um, not they're fine. I'm fine because I'm not in front of the fridge, basically. Um, whereas if like they're inside playing and like they might be doing like really cool stuff and like be really into doing into doing their thing, um, I'm like just around and around the food and especially if I guess I haven't been eating a big enough lunch, then maybe that takes a part of it. But I just know that like, and I know I'm sure I'm not the only one, but like sometimes there just isn't much of a differentiation between boredom and hunger. Right, right, yeah. Um, so I'd say like with the boredom part, just kind of think about it a little bit more. I, what I always encourage all of my clients to do is like, if we're using food to provide some kind of fulfillment, um, because there's a lack of it, even in like parts of our day, not saying that like all times of a day, we're supposed to feel like this amazing feeling and like on top of the world. But I always encourage like people to at least like explore a little bit because at this time, like you're definitely not the only one experiencing some kind of stress. Like it's everybody's experiencing some kind of stress right now, especially during the pandemic. But we also want to look at it in terms of this privilege and this opportunity of what can I do to understand myself a little bit more. Uh, and so sometimes in the middle of the day, we're prompt with this time when before we were constantly having to be working and doing for others. Um, And while you are still watching your children, you also still get to say, what is it that Matt needs at that time? Yeah, that's true. Usually just what I need is like some donuts. Yeah. And sometimes that's totally (laughs) what you need. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So that might not be the right answer to that question though. So, so, um, but that's usually what I'm like, you know what I need? This is what I need. Yeah. Yeah. So I think like, let's, let's say like you do really want a donut. How do we balance that out? I would say, you know, choose a really good donut and then like move on. Um, if I saw it on your log, I wouldn't say like, Matt, what the heck are you doing? I would probably ask, did you enjoy it? Because once we enjoy it and we move on, it's no longer lingering in our head. It's just, we know that we did it and that was it. Um, another way to also frame it would be, what if we did like a few donut holes and a Greek yogurt? That way you at least get some calcium, some protein, and then you have something you really enjoy. No, that's a good point. Um, all right, let me... Since we talked about yogurt, let's like let's bring that up again because I do like yogurt for sure, and I was always kind of worried about the sugar content. So like I wasn't quite sure how to incorporate it or when or like when or where to incorporate it. Yeah, so usually people will have it like as a snack mid morning or mid afternoon. Other people will incorporate it at their breakfast time. Um, I think. For you, it sounds like it could be really great for you midday or even after dinner time when you do start getting hungry again. All right. Is there a certain kind? Because as you know, there's a million kinds of yogurt. So I guess just generally speaking. Like- yeah. So there's a couple that I do encourage and that would be Faya yogurt is a great one. Um, I would encourage maybe like a 2% because most people 
the pleasurability of it is there versus the zero percent. Um, I would encourage probably the two percent for you, especially if you're somebody that likes really good milk. I don't want to take away the milk fat. Um, so I would say two percent yogurt, Faye. There's also Siggy's. That's a great one. Then Siggy's is pretty low sugar and they have phenomenal flavors. So that is my actual, that is my favorite one. Um, there's also Chobani and they have a reduced sugar one. That is really great too. Okay. And then I would encourage, maybe we pair it with like something fun. Maybe it's like a mini muffin. Maybe it's a, you know, some muffin crumpled in there. Uh, I know Siggy's and, and Faye, they have the combinations with a little bit of dark chocolate chips, coconut, something like that. And I actually think those are really good too, to get those, even though they have that extra bit in there, if it's going to make it more fun, then why not? If you're going to stick to it, then why not? Yeah. This is something that I struggle with because sometimes for me, it can be a slippery slope with that stuff. You know, like having just one sounds like perfect. In actuality, my ability to do that oftentimes can be lacking. So, like, I, I just want—I don't want to like set myself up for failure, being like, "Oh, look, mini muffins just gonna have one," and it's like, "Oh God!" Like, I had—I had one. It was one box. Like, that was—that did not—that did not go as planned. Um, so, I um, I just inherently like I worry about I worry about myself like sticking to it when I see like see that as like an opportunity. But maybe like that restrictive mindset is what like leads me to do that. I don't know. Exactly. And that's what I was going to say. Maybe because there is a little bit of an all or nothing mindset. Like I have to go all in on this thing or else I'm going to completely fail. And if I steer off of it, I'm going to fail. That's not true. We don't really know that. Um, And I think if you've never given yourself the space to, I think, have those things and in the pursuit of trying something, we, we, we can't really say what's going to happen. The only way that we know what's going to happen is if we actually do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Um, so what I always like to do is just put stuff on my client's nutrition plan because that at least eases up the anxiety around, you know, Starla said, I cannot have that. And then when they do it, they feel really bad. But whenever I put it on a plan, now people are given the choice and then sometimes they don't even choose it for weeks on end. Um, maybe they will at first, but then they actually start to listen to their bodies and, and it's saying, you know, this was really good. Starla said I could have it. I don't feel bad. I don't feel like I broke the rules. Do I want to have it the next day? Maybe not, but then maybe two days later they'll have it again. And then it gets easier to work through. Yeah, no, that sounds good. I like that. So I can put it on there and then we just see what happens. All right, let's do it. Yeah. If you choose it, great. I'm probably going to ask, how did you like it? Um, Was it good? What flavor was it? (laughs) And then we'll work through the rest. All right. That sounds good. And I could probably be more of like a late night snack, I think for me, because I definitely am craving like the, the late night sweetness. Perfect. And I would say too, you know, if you're going to have a cookie, choose a really good cookie so that way it's not like you're having six or seven subpar cookies that you didn't want in the first place. Yeah. Can't say I've never done that before. <laughs> <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
It's okay. I've had many, many experiences like that where I would try to always bypass the pie. And then once I actually had the pie, it was like, oh, wow, this was actually really good. I should have just done it in the first place. And then it, it, you do it enough to start to realize, you know, I love this pie, but do I eat it every day? Probably not. Like I, my body is not asking for it. I'm not craving for it anymore. Um, and you really get to like choose what is it that you want now versus feeling out of control. All right. That makes sense. Okay. Perfect. Um, I was going to also ask about your other snacks that you have after lunchtime. So tell me a little bit more about those. Cause I know you, you do the, the shake and then there's also the Kashi bar. Yeah. So the shake is going to, was like, basically for me, that's like post run. So, and that's going to continue to trend more towards the morning. Okay. Um, so that's where that works for me because not only does it feel like I'm getting some of the stuff that I want in my body, but like, for me, it's like the ultimate convenience play when I need convenience the most. So that's when that works for me. Post-lunch, it's really just a smorgasbord of stuff. Like I'll end up start, I'll start off like the Kashi stuff, like the Kashi bar again, or some cheese squares, but then it'll just kind of devolve. So I feel like basically, I feel like breakfast, snack, lunch, like I feel like I'm good. And then I feel like mid afternoon snack right now is like the biggest like question mark for me in terms of like what, what not, not question mark, like what, what to eat, but like, I just haven't been able to like really nail that one down. Okay. So I, I actually do like your cereal with milk. It seems like you feel full. You feel, you feel your best when you have that just looking at your logs. Um, so I'm going to put here the cereal with milk. Another option is you're doing the cheese squares, I would actually really like to encourage maybe we pair it, we pair it with crackers and like an apple. Okay. So cheese squares, crackers and apple. I know in our last conversation, which, which, you know, people might not have heard because we didn't put it out was like, you said like, you know, wheat thins were fine. You like, you like wheat thins. And for me, like I can't get enough of wheat thins. So like that could definitely be part of like an afternoon snack that I could definitely get down with. And, And I always buy tons of apples. Okay, perfect. So let's do that. Do you feel like you need some direction with portion control around the crackers? Um, I mean, I know, like, I can always just look at the serving size. But, yeah, I mean, shoot, any direction you want to give me, Starla, I'm in for. <laughs> so I normally don't give a lot of help with the portion size, but I feel like you need it a little bit. So here I would say let's start off with, like, 10 of those wheat thins. And then we can see, because I feel like most of the time, if people take a handful of it, they're going to grab around 10. So about a handful of wheat thins and then with the cheese squares and the apple. What I also want to encourage you to do is, you know, put it like on a paper plate and napkin, all of it together. So that way you really see what is it that you're eating. I think if you're eating um, each one at a time, we're not really like taking in the food and like what it actually looks like. But I feel like when people start to really lay it out, they have a much better idea of their volume. All right. That sounds good. And then with cereal, I feel like, I feel like I can pick out like cereal that isn't horrific for me in terms of, you know, so like cereals that I like personally, and I feel like aren't the worst in the aisle would be like the great grains with dates and raisins. Like I love that one. 
And, you know, it definitely has like a bunch of whole grains in it. I don't know how you feel about it. Another one that like I love and I feel like isn't the worst. It's like any version of Honey Bunches of Oats. Um, I don't know. What, what's your take on different kinds of cereals that I could pop in there? That's a good one. Um, so I do like the two that you just mentioned. Those are great. Um, the dates and raisins, that would actually be a good one too for like, let's say you got tired of eggs. That would be a great option as well for after, after a run. Um, I think in terms of cereals, my favorites would be like the Czech cinnamon one. Um, another great one too is kick cereal, just plain and simple, straight to the point. Um, yeah, my my kids b- love those. We always have those in the house. Mm-hmm. For me, they just they're not super filling. So, like, I mean, I love them too. I mean, I, shoot, I love every single cereal. I think yeah. <laughs> so. I'm not really discriminatory on that one. Yeah. But um, I also just know that like it just it isn't filling for me. So that's why like, I try to get. Sometimes I'll try to get the more dense stuff. Right. Um, right. With that in mind. So I do like the Kashi ones across the board. There's also the Special K protein. It has more protein per cup than the other ones. Okay. And that may also just be like, there's more sustenance, like nuts, there's the dates and things like that. So I think having the the Special K protein one could be helpful because there are the ones that have like the little honey clusters in there or the almonds in there too. Okay. But overall, I mean, your cereal choices are pretty good. Yeah, I think like this past two weeks has been kind of a good microcosm of like what normally happens with my nutrition is that like there will be like overall like they'll be like, wow, you did eight of the 10 things really good. And then they're like, (laughs) but your two mistakes were enormous binging mistakes. You know what I mean? Not like, oh, these little things, whatever, you're probably fine. So it's like, it's like most of my choices were good, but then like in the aggregate, it like wasn't a great because like. The slip-ups weren't like, hey, you missed two little ones, but you still got an A- minus for the day, and that's perfect. It's like, no, you did slip-ups, but they were like, they were so egregious that it like tanks the rest of the day. Right. And, you know, when I was looking at your logs, I wasn't thinking like, Matt totally messed everything up with this choice. What I'm really looking at is like, effort, has it been easy is there things that he may be struggling with? And what are some of the improvements from the first week of working together? What I saw right away was that there's way more color and vegetables happening, which was really good because that's that's really hard. And I think maybe the logging has been helpful for you there. Yeah, I think basically not even logging. It was like, all right, basically determining ahead of time that I'm having vegetables at breakfast and lunch. Which, like, normally that wasn't the case. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I think overall, it was actually pretty good. I was very impressed. I mean, I could also see, you know, where there was a little bit of struggle. And I think, you know, just being a dad and having a family, that happens a lot, too. Because there's also a lot of co-parenting happening at this time in the summer with kids. So I think, you know, I think me being the professional on the other side, I understand that. And, you know, what are some of the things that we could work on to make life easier on your end around food? And I think, and again, that also goes back to maybe the batching could be super helpful, just kind of taking the stress off of that and then working through snack time to where 
you're feeling a little bit bored. Deal. All right. That sounds good. Yeah. So don't be so hard on yourself. I think you're doing good. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you, Starla. I haven't been perfect with my logging. So not all <laughs> of my slip ups have been perfectly identified in the log. It's okay. And you know, I'm not looking for perfection at all. I'm looking to see like, is this becoming more like Matt? Oh, all my healthy choices are logged. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Sometimes my, not, not every single unhealthy choice I've had has been logged. No worries. No, it's okay. And and again, in sessions, you know, the imperfections always come up or like the things that people struggle with always come up. So I don't really worry about it being like, I'm not worrying about people lying to me during the, like in the logging, what I'm most concerned about is how are we going to tackle it during a session? Okay. Got it. So I think moving into this next week, we kind of already have a little bit more structure in the first half of your day. The second half of the day, the second half of the day is where I really want you to maybe start to think about like, what does Matt need to do to bring some like less levels of stress and more joy into the afternoon. And that can be hard, especially with children. Um, Some things I always encourage around this would be if you're making a snack, how can we include kids in on this activity too? And what can we start to talk to them about nutrition? So that would be, you know, maybe if you're chopping up an apple, maybe they're not chopping it up, but maybe they're washing it for you. Maybe they're also serving themselves a couple of pieces of apple and so forth. Or maybe once you slice them into slices, they can take the slice and then snap them in half with their hands so they don't get hurt. So just kind of also integrating them on your snack time. And I think that'll also lend more dialogue around the food and it makes you more mindful of what you're eating and they're getting a little bit of education around food too. Okay. No, that, that, that makes sense. And um, I'm not sure how doable it is, you know, in terms of planning it out, but I'll definitely, I definitely try to try to work harder at making that a potential option during those, during those times. And that said, just assuming it's not going to work. Yeah. Yeah. And again, like maybe your kids will be more, you know, more aware of snack time because they had fun the first time. And so maybe they'll ask again, like, Hey, can we wash the strawberries with you, dad? Um, and then you can say, okay, yeah, sure. Like, let's go ahead and take them out. Um, who can find the colander or what, whatever that is. Right. Or who's going to get me the napkin or kind of also delegating those responsibilities that are pretty straightforward and easy for kids to do. And then I want to make sure that into this next week that we have a good plan of just like the batching um, before we close out today's session. So um, I already kind of put here a couple of items. So it would be the pasta salad, quinoa salad, and then maybe two proteins and then two veggies to cook Um, or like beforehand, just kind of be thinking about how we're going to be using these. So I know it seems like broccoli is a pretty big hit in the family. So I'm going to put here, maybe we choose broccoli um, and then maybe some chicken. And then what do you think about ground turkey? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm fine with it for sure. I, I pause, I pause there because I wasn't like, I know my kids aren't going to eat this. It's like, all right, well, will my wife, or am I just making this for me? Which isn't 
the worst thing in the world either. But I'm just trying to like, I was just kind of going through that. My normal, <laughs> it's like my normal thought process every time like a, a new food gets introduced. Okay. What are some of the proteins that your kids would eat then? They will basically, oh, shoot, man. I don't know. They drink, they drink a lot of milk. Um, and occasionally we'll have meat at dinner. Um, that's about it. Okay. So maybe we, we cook a chicken, um, and you can always put it in the slow cooker, something like that too. So that way you don't have to think about it. Another option would also be maybe midweek. There is beef for everyone. And that can also be placed in a slow cooker too, or batched in the oven. So that way you don't have to be thinking about it too much or watching over it, um, over the stove. So what do you think about those two? Yeah, no, I think, I think that, I think that will work. Okay. I also am like asking about the kids too, because I don't want you to be having to cook all these different things. And then that adds more stress. And then it causes stress eating to happen too. So no, I mean like with with the kids, like there's only like a couple things that they eat, and then like occasionally they'll surprise us. But like yeah, like if we're talking about adult food, my kids are almost never going to eat it. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that like the adults shouldn't be eating it. So it's just kind of one of those things. Okay. Do you do you and your wife cooks uh, eat similar proteins as well, other than chicken? Yeah. Okay. What are some of the other options? Yeah, so we will cook chicken. We'll have um, steak. We'll have fish. We'll have pork. You know, pretty wide range of animals, I guess. Okay, so then let's go ahead and do a fish. I think that would also be great for a couple of meals as well, because I don't think we put any fish so far on your nutrition plans. No, no, we've had some, but that wasn't on the plan. Okay. So maybe we cook some fish and that will last maybe like a leftover for the next day. Maybe. We usually don't have a lot of leftover fish because it's just so darn expensive that we usually just like buy it for that night. Okay. Do you like shrimp? Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. Maybe we do some frozen shrimp options then. Okay. Because that could be purchased. It can be stuck in the freezer and then you guys can always take it out as needed. Okay. Okay. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Do you have any additional questions for me about anything? No, I'm good. Okay, perfect. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and send you um, the nutrition plan link, and then I'll go ahead and attach a couple of options for you and maybe even some easy ways to cook a chicken and batch it and easy ways to cook some shrimp too. All right. Thank you, Starla. Yeah. Yeah. I tried to really make sure to stay within the hour for you. So (laughs) I appreciate it. No, it sounds good. (laughs) Perfect. Thank you. Hey guys, one last ad break before we get into the last pro here. I want to talk about Tracksmith. They are the preeminent attire brand here in the U.S. They just, they have the best gear. They just have the best gear. Not only is it great 
on your body. It lasts. And this stuff is just high end. All right. So Paul Tracksmith is a Boston based brand, which I can relate to. I live an hour away from Boston. I'm there all the time, led by a group of runners who are committed to making classically stylish cutting edge apparel. Their focus is on real world amateur runners. Just like me, who's trying to break sub 40. Can you relate to that? And so many people have commented and said, hey, I can relate to what you're doing. Believe me, part of that is making sure that you're going about it the right way. And for me, it's not spending a bunch of money on all this gear that's going to die out like in two months. <laughs> I swear to God, some of this gear uh, looks great when you first try it on, but it doesn't last. Tracksmith, I love all their stuff, their designs, their products. They're, like I said, they're for committed runners, and they use the best materials for sweat wicking, stink-free merino wool, and in all their training tops, and their unique Italian nylon knit for their performance shorts. Their shorts, my goodness. You know, if you're if you're a guy, you know what it can feel like with some of the rubber bands uh, in the brief section of the shorts. I'd never have to readjust. And that might sound like, who cares? If you're a dude, you know some of these shorts. You're readjusting like every half mile. Not at all. These shorts are absolutely fantastic. And it's because the details they put into it. So you got a ton of new releases. They got the new release actually came out this week was people who are doing run commuting. And that was so interesting. I loved that. Uh, but ultimately, I love the session shorts. Um, you know, for me, the, some people like the half, the the, uh, the reggae half tights, the Reggie half tights, I should say. Um, I can't do the half tights. Just not not there yet <laughs> from a from a body perspective to really you know want to show that off. Uh, but I do love the session shorts. Like I said, I just am such a fan of those. Um, I think I got the seven inch inseam. They also have the five inch inseam as well. Uh, I cannot recommend them highly enough. And the tops. They are so thin. And when these hot summer days, you're, that's exactly what you're going to want. So uh, head over to tracksmith.com slash rambling runner and use code rambling runner. So that's how much we want to do. If you spend $75 or more, you get 15% off your first purchase. And that's huge. And you're going to buy a bunch of, bunch of stuff. I think my first, my first time going on the site, I think I spent $500 because I wanted all the stuff. I wanted all of it and it lasts. So I knew it was going to be a great investment for me. So if you're doing that and you're saving 15%, shoot, you're going to save a ton of money, a ton of money. So go over there today, tracksmith.com slash rambling runner. Last one up, Atreyu. Atreyu is a brand new running shoe brand that is my favorite running shoe. These things are under six ounces, six ounces, but they're no race flat type shoe, right? This shoe is in there for every single run that you want to do. Long runs, short runs, tempo runs, you know, speed work, whatever. It can do it all. And if you don't believe me, go Google Atreyu. That's A-T-R-E-Y-U and look at all of the reviews. They're all out there. They're all fantastic. This is how I got, this is how I found out about them. And this is a brand new shoe company. I found out about them from the reviews that were coming in. I'm like, oh my gosh, these, these reviewers that I trust Love this shoe brand. I got to try them out. And I'm so glad that I did. You can buy the shoes one off direct to consumer. Go to atreyurunning.com. They're $95. You're like, man, that's super cheap. $95. That's right. For an everyday running shoe. However, get the subscription service. So you get four shoes over 12 months. Guess how much they are then? $55. $55. That means you get Basically, four shoes for the price of two if you're going to buy them as one-offs. So go over to atreyurunning.com. That's A-T-R-E-Y-U running.com today. James, I'm so excited to chat. I finally got my headphones plugged in. We had a little technical <laughs> difficulties there. I didn't. My headphones were on. They were not plugged in. Wasn't sure why I couldn't hear you. 
took me a little oh. while. I got there. I'm happy to report my running is going better than my tech skills, but either way, I'm excited to chat. Well, the key, the key is you, you are, you're tying your laces, uh, for your runs. Um, and we don't need to worry about headphones when you're running. So we're good. There you go. There you go. And I'm <laughs> sure there's a metaphor there, um, with, you know, not plugging in the headphones, but trying to have a conversation anyway. Probably not smart enough to dissect it myself. Maybe your, <laughs> maybe a listener can, can chime in later. Um, well, I had a, I had an athlete who was going to do a trail race this past weekend. Uh, and I was I was kind of excited because we had no race plan at all because I did he didn't know the terrain he didn't know what trail meant he didn't know anything he just knew that it was going to be roughly a 10k and he forgot his running shoes oh so you're you're doing a little better than that <laughs> did he go did he go barefoot Ted on the trail no he just had a nice weekend with his wife which is which is more than fine oh that's funny yeah um, well hey I'm excited to talk because. Things are going really well on the running standpoint. Things are moving along. Yeah, I mean, shoot, I mean, it's always more fun to talk when things are going well than when they aren't. Um, so I'm, I'm happy to have a conversation. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, when we first had this call, it was it was weeks before, um, and we had kind of this idea. I, I laid out an idea of where I thought things should go and where they could go if consistency kind of took place. We started with run walk. That got done, and as I know how boring a run walk is, uh, it's such like it, it's it's hard it, because you have memories of where you were, and this goes for anybody. This goes for from uh, a brand new runner uh, or someone coming back from injury, getting back into running, uh, to a professional who's forced to run walk. You always have a memory of where you once were, regardless of what that level was, and you just want to kind of jump right back into it. Uh, it's really easy to say, or, or or even to feel, even if you don't say it out loud. Man, I I wish I could just go out there and just do what I used to be able to do right now. Well, I'll tell you what, James, because because I wasn't doing much cross, I wasn't doing any cross training in those seven weeks. So you know, gyms were closed, and you know, I don't have a bike at home, and stuff. You know, I'm not. I mean, I don't have like a stationary bike and stuff like that. So anyway. And then just my own general laziness. So I basically went seven weeks without doing any cardio. So for me, the run walk, it really wasn't that mental. It wasn't like mentally challenging to like dial it in because it wasn't like I was like you know, coming back from going 45 minutes on the bike. And I was sitting there like, oh, this is just tedious. Like, you know, my heart rate, my, it's not like I had my aerobic capacity at like a fairly high level and I was just trying to wean my legs into it. Like I was at zero. So for me, I was like, hey, this is better than not doing anything. So I kind of just took to it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I still think, though, like maybe you didn't get there, the run walk. Maybe you'll start to get there when we start doing workouts. I think it, it, it just has, it has a habit. Old history has a habit of creeping up. So I'm really glad you didn't feel like that. Um, but I, I do anticipate that coming. I do. Absolutely, I do. Because it's human. How could it not? And that's just that 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 kind of the playing that expectations comparison game. Is that what you're alluding to? Well, yeah, I think so. You know, I think that could, I, I, not not in a bad way. Uh, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be more than you are in your current state. Um, and I say you as as a generality. Uh, 
myself included in that. I'm training right now. I want to be where I was a year ago, year and a half ago. I'm not. It's going to take another four to five months to get there. Um, but it's a, if you use it for fuel for the fire, it's a good, it's a good thing to keep in your mind. If, if it becomes a daunting uh, experience, it can be adverse to, to the training. Uh, and, and to the daily progress that you're making outside of the running itself. Right. And I'm definitely at the point now where like progress is on like an upward slope. Like I'm nowhere yeah. oh, near yeah. plateauing. So like, so every week is like, all right, progress, progress, progress. And you, it's tangible. So to the point where like, it's so easy to get excited for it. Yeah. I mean, next week um, we, or actually later this week we have, we haven't even done speed. There's no reason to, right? Um, I don't think we'll do anything really structured probably for another four to six weeks because of exactly what you just said. You're gaining fitness off of just running easy. So why introduce something that is risky that could cause an injury so soon into the process when you are gaining fitness just by running? Right, where you are uh, as of this past Sunday, four miles was your first four miler. Comparative to to uh, five six weeks ago, you're light years beyond it. Yeah, and I felt really good when I finished up. So that was, you know, it was it was a beautiful day. It was like sixty four degrees, James. It yeah, was so yeah. nice. So yeah. I that had that going for me. Um, but when I finished up, like. You know, if it was a five or six mile day, that wouldn't have been a problem. At least, at least at the in the moment, it felt like it wouldn't have been a problem. And beyond just the easy running, the I I, I hesitate to call it strength work, but that's kind of what it is. You know, what I've been doing uh, the last three or four weeks, I think, is really helping. So it's like this: these you know, I did a blog post on it. Um, it's it's very unusual for me. I've never even seen anything like it before. It's like you know, diaphragmic breathing combined with core work and hamstrings. So basically abs, core, you know, busy abs. Um, you know, she, I'm like, words are escaping me now. Yeah, the side, yeah. the muscles on the sides of your abs. Yeah. Obliques. obliques. Good yeah. grief. Obliques. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Um, uh, some days. And then, uh, and then the hamstrings. So basically doing these poses, like people do these glute exercises where their knees are up. And then, you know, they're laying on their back, their knees are up, and then they kind of lift their butt off the ground. I'm doing very versions of that with focusing on like basically pushing my feet into the ground as hard as I can, or sometimes they're up higher, sometimes even up higher than that. And then, you know, kind of, and I exhale, like pulsing my abs in various ways. And um, the, the pushing down, basically, it's, it's basically you're, you're not moving, really. So my butt's not going up and down, it's static. Everything's static. But I'm pushing a force into the ground, and I think it's basically just like foundation work for for more things to come because we're trying to take the long game with with the lifting, just like we're taking the long game with the training. And um, with that said, I've definitely noticed a difference. Like my, you know, just in the exercises I'm doing, my legs feel stronger, especially in the hamstrings and the calves, which is exciting. Well, you know, you, you said it earlier, uh, and you said it in the previous call. You you spend a long time at uh, inactivity. Uh, and sheer laziness, right? And the body kind of wants to stay in this homeostasis where it doesn't want to do anything. It's happy doing what it does. And sometimes the simplest thing in the world can be the most powerful to wake muscle up. 
So it's not surprising that something as simple as a static isometric hold is going to wake up your muscles, your glutes, your hamstrings, your calves even. Um, and obviously those are really important and you will get well beyond that uh, as you go. But something like that, as simple as it can be uh, and, and as it is, is something that can be in, incredibly impactful uh, into how you feel the rest of your day and certainly in your running. Yeah, well, it, 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 you know, it's, at this point, like you just said, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. There's no reason for me to expand on it. Um, and I'm just excited to kind of keep it going uh, at this point. And it, it just feel it feels really good to the point where um, even on the hot days, I find myself having to throttle back yeah. instead of feeling like I'm pushing myself. Good. You know, Coach Laura, um, Coach Laura Galeazzo, when she came back uh, from having a child, uh, one of the things that she was really focused on, and I'm not sure if I said this in the previous uh, podcast, but one of the things that she was really focused on was always feeling like she could have done more. That was really important to her. Not that she was digging to the well for every single workout, every single effort, every single long run as she was building up to a marathon, uh, but always feeling like she could have done more. Uh, and it was really important, I think, for her coming back from childbirth to always have that feeling like, man, I, I gave like 80, 85% today. I didn't give 100 because 100 might have been way too much, but I gave enough to where I feel good. I feel like I, I got development out of, out of what I was trying to, uh, to accomplish for the day, but it wasn't so much that it's going to require me to, to need an extra two or three days recovery because I dug to the well too hard. Right. You know, and I don't think that's going to be, and honestly, I kind of want to take that game plan for you for quite a while. You know, it's weird. The coaching right now from, from, from a coach athlete perspective, there's not a lot that I'm doing. I'm really just kind of asking you. I know. I got to stop wrong. paying you, James. You're not, you're yeah. not doing a whole lot for me right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start asking for a refund. Right? Um, no, but, but like it's, it, it's so simplistic right now. But I think that's important to recognize because in simplicity for where you are right now is where you're going to see the biggest bang for your buck. And where, where so many people – take, for example, when people hit the gym for their – uh, the New Year's resolutions, and they're all gung ho. The typical resolution uh, lasts about five to six weeks in the in the gym membership world. So you get about five to six weeks of your gym membership before you start bagging out of your resolution to for whatever goal, physical goal that you 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 really set out to be. Resolutions. They're, they're nonsensical. They're, they're, they don't typically last. Uh, and by, by three or four months, 98% of them are, uh, have stopped going altogether. Um, you know, gyms kind of rely on that, I think. Um, and what's the phrase? Is it, is it discretion is the better part of valor? I mean, that's kind of what yeah, we're saying. Yeah, absolutely. You know, just a, a simplistic, systematic approach in every aspect of your training. Uh, one of them we, we spoke about a, a little bit, uh, but I, I definitely want to, to leave the, the crux of the coaching to the nutritionist. Um, but it's just making good, healthy food choices on the regular. 
you know, uh, making sure that you always have an idea of what it is you're going to be eating every three to four hours. And if something goes off, something goes off, but not letting one meal ruin the rest of the day uh, or the next day after that. Yeah, and that's going well. And people who are listening to this may have already heard that conversation. Um, I'm not sure if this conversation is going to be before or after Starla when the pod comes out. Um, but I think most, you know, the bigger change that we've had, Starla and I, is having more protein with my meals, significantly more in some cases. Um, and then really just that, that, that for me is the biggest change is um, not necessarily for dinner and not even all the time for lunch. There's definitely sometimes we'll have lunch where I won't have as much protein in the past that Starla would advise. So I've altered that. But even but with breakfast, much more so, for sure. It's almost like what you'd see for like a keto breakfast. Not that like, not that I'm purposely removing carbs. So it's not, it's not a great comparison. But in terms of like the amount of amount of protein in it, it is fairly, um, apples to apples. Um, and so that, so that's, that's a huge difference. And then just trying to dial it in. So for the most part, I've gotten breakfast, mid morning snack, lunch, and dinner pretty much set. I've had some struggles with mid afternoon snacks, um, prior to our, our most recent call. I think this week is going better. Um, so overall, I feel like I'm going kind of down the right path there um so so that that's that feels good it's it definitely is a different take for me in terms of like you know is that's the thing is that you hear i was in that spot and i think so many people are where you hear so many versions of what's best to eat and yeah. not that yeah. anyone who says this and, and you, especially when you hear from from proper sources you're like, all right, well, that person's a dietitian and that person's a dietitian and they're saying different things. So what, what, do I, what do I believe? So I, for some reason, and who knows what after this many years, had probably erred on the size of, side of I probably don't need, you know, I'm not protein deficient in terms of my diet. So I kind of just, you know, not really thought about it. So kind of really taking, you know, really leaning into that has been a bit of a change. Yeah, I mean, Matt Fitzgerald, uh, I know you've talked to him a few times. Um, you know, he's got a, a, a holistic view on nutrition and it, especially when it comes to endurance sports, because that's what he does. Um, and there is no bad diet, so to speak, in terms of food. There's nothing wrong with pancakes. There's nothing wrong with rice or pasta. There's nothing wrong with steak or chicken or whatever. It's just about managing a, a, a volume control to, for where you want to be and what makes sense for what, what your goals are and timing uh, and, and putting it in. You know, Your body, it will balance itself out. Tonight, for example, I had a, a healthy serving of cheese ravioli and it was delicious. It was with a, a, a basil pesto sauce thing. I guess that is basil. Um, but, man, it was so good. And, and it, there was very little protein, whatever the protein was in it for the, uh, the cheese, I guess. But you know, earlier today, I had you know a, a, a pretty large chicken sandwich. So it, it's all going to balance itself out um, as you go. But the, the key is consistency with, with healthy food choices. Day in and day out, uh, uh, and 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 consistency with volume control for you. Um, you know, I, I don't want to. I don't want to speak about anybody else, but for you, 
volume control matters right now. You know, we're not trying to, to eat like an ultra endurance runner and have 65% of your calories coming from carbohydrates. We're not worried about that right now. Right now, one of the aspects of your, your fitness is weight loss. And your body does need that protein to, to restore and re-energize. As you become uh, a different athlete and as you uh, change in your ability to handle more miles and, and train in a different way, uh, in a more progressed way, your nutrition will absolutely change with that. It has to. Right. Yeah, that's exactly that's exactly right. And I think and you know, the other thing too is that part of what Starla and I discussed is that one of my goals right now, especially in the short term, is weight loss, not yeah. fueling for performance. And and it's a for me, that's why I'm not so hyper focused on every little aspect of the run. You know, I, we've we've talked about it uh through text and through through the app, uh, as well as some phone calls, I'm I'm 100% on board with throwing a few runs of about 35 to 40 minutes. Uh, just just two a week is fine. Three if you felt really good, but I really don't think we need more than three at all. I think just the consistency with what it is you've been doing for the next four to six weeks is going to be more than enough to then warrant starting to add in a little bit more structure other than hills and strides that I'm going to start to introduce uh, this week and next week and the week after. So for people who are listening, that's basically 15 to 20 miles a week because right now I'm running about five days a week. So if anyone's listening, that's kind of how it works out. Um, if you want to follow the runs, they are they all are on Strava. Um, so you can also catch them there. But that's pretty much where I'm at right now. And it sounds like we're going to be kind of sticking to this for the next month or so just to build that foundation. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not even looking at it as, as miles. I, I honestly could care less about how many miles you run. I just want to focus on the time spent running. And to me, from a run walk for a certain amount of time to 25-minute runs, which you're handling very, very well, uh, you just had your first uh, four-miler, which is a, a, around 35 minutes or so. Um that to me says, okay, you felt really good off of that. Yeah, it was better weather, but you felt pretty good off of that. And, and not so much just that run, but the next day. You're not so beat up. You're not sore. You're not destroyed. You're not drained from, from something, um, from, from a workout that, uh, that you're going to need days and days recovery. That to me is the cue to say this is an appropriate volume. So you might find that you want to run 35 minutes more often than you run 25. I'm 100% on board with that. You don't need, you don't need to ask permission for that. You don't need to check in with that. Just you run what feels the, 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 the most comfortable. I just don't want to see more than three days of 40. I don't want to go from 25-minute runs to 50-minute runs overnight. You know what I mean? I'd rather see more, more time around the same time than super, super long efforts in comparison to the rest of the week. You got it, man. Absolutely. Um, last thing, and this is just from a communication standpoint, now that I've been consistent with the strength training part and I'm you know, working with you know, the, the Nick Bruno, who's a professional here in Rhode Island, um, who actually people um, are familiar with Rhode Island runners. You know, he works with a lot of the New England Distance Project runners. 
uh, which is yeah. a really core, good core group of, of runners. Um, Katrina Spratford's been on the show, uh, people like that who you know qualify for the Olympic trials. So he works with those folks, or with, at least when they at least when Katrina lived in Rhode Island. Um, and so that's been good. Do you want me to load in the days into our calendar, the days I do that, or is that inconsequential in terms of what, what we got going on? At this point, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't, um, because we're not going heavy on any one run or any one workout. And really, a forty-minute run isn't gonna isn't gonna destroy you. I think in three weeks you'll find that most three to four weeks you'll find that most of your runs are thirty-five to forty minutes, and we'll start to see a forty-five, fifty-minute run in there by the end of that time. And at that point, once we start doing workouts like specific efforts, where I want you to think about. Uh, recovery pacing or what, whatever the intent of that session might be, that's when I think it's going to matter. I don't see that coming into play, like I said, probably closer to six weeks. Um, and even then, I'm not even sure about that. I'm not, you know, that's, that's an idea. It might be a little bit longer. All right. Sounds good, man. All right. Anything else you want to chat about before we get going? Yeah. I mean, how do you feel? Obviously, the running is going well, but how has your day been outside of the run having to try to manage all this stuff? Like, how do you feel everything has been? Because this is a, it's a, it's a project, right? And it's not the, it's not the only thing that you're focusing on. You have about a thousand other projects going on, but this is <laughs> something that you, you know, when you take food into consideration, you take being a father and a husband into consideration. Um, this is something different. That, that you've been focusing on and it's 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 starting to be obviously the whole idea is to be very public about it how is that how is how have you been feeling about all the other stuff outside of the running has it been stressful at all it, at this point it hasn't been um you know so i just locked up Basically, five of the the six sponsors that are you know partners I'll be working with, which was nice to kind of lock them into place. So I spent a lot of time the last two weeks doing that, and you know, shout outs to all those guys and all the other their ads are going through this this podcast, and and that's that was really exciting for me to to lock them down because it's you know companies that I've long patronized in the past. Yeah. So to, yeah. to see them on board was was really exciting. Uh, with the one caveat being Atreyu, which is a brand new shoe company, but. I love those guys. So I'm all for that. Um, so locking that down um, took time, but that was an enjoyable piece for me. I enjoy that side of it. Um, for me, the, the difference is, is, um, is seeing what's coming next from a school perspective. So not yeah. only my kids, but my wife is a teacher. So trying to say, all right, what is my schedule in September going to look like? Because th- it's, I just I don't even know. I, I honestly I have no idea. Not only in terms of when I'm going to be working slash not working, but like will the kids be home? If so, what days? If so, all the days. What about my wife? Is she going to be working from home? Is she not going to be working from home? And how does that impact my work day? So I think over the in, in a few weeks from now, it's going to be really up in the air. They still Rhode Island itself hasn't dis- disclosed what their decisions are yet. So. Each town has its different plans, and they have to be okayed by the governor. Yeah. With that said, yeah, you know, we saw what we saw. We saw what happened to UNC Chapel Hill today. They were in school for yep. a week, and now they're they're going to full online. And I feel like, just my personal opinion, 
that's probably what's going to happen to the vast majority of places. At least, you know, at least places that have, you know, that are fairly suburban slash urban. Obviously, if you're in a very rural area, maybe it's a little different because uh, you're already socially distanced. But, um, you know, I think that ultimately it's going to happen to us. I think ultimately what will end up happening is no matter how we start, by the end of September, we might be full online. And then I'm going to be, be you know, teaching five days a week, two kids. Yeah. And yeah. it that will that will that will throw a pretty big monkey monkey wrench into, into my day job or day jobs, I should say. Um, and we'll have to kind of re- recalibrate uh, what that means uh, in terms of a work day and what that means for a weekend, because it might just mean my weekend is a working weekend because it might, you know, I'll finally have two days to, to get stuff done. So, um, you know, Grayson will be starting kindergarten. Uh, you know, in less than a month and in Cali's in third grade. So both of them will have stuff that they need to get done uh, from a work, from a school perspective. So we'll see what happens with that. It's important to recognize. Um, so my, my friend Lee is a coach out in, uh, in Colorado. He's, he's a three-time Olympian. Um, he's a great guy, great coach. Um, and he, he, he became a teacher uh, for his children uh, uh, this past spring, like, like every parent, I feel like, uh, this past spring. Um, and it it was a challenge and he, he recognized it. He called it out. He said, this is, this is a challenge. And I think it's, it's really important to recognize, obviously you do because your wife is a, as a professional teacher, right? It's not just something that people do. Like you're educated on the career, on the profession of teaching, uh, how to engage children, and there's a reason why people go to school for to to be able to do that job, um, and it, it is very difficult to to do that from home when or if that is not your strong suit as a as a as a as a as a profession, right? Um, and certainly as a parent, it, it's it you can't it's hard to be parent and teacher at the same time, and I know. Uh, families have their own dynamics and all that kind of stuff. And I don't have any kids, so I can't really speak to it uh, from a personal standpoint, but I can absolutely recognize that. So when things and if things do change, of course, for you as an athlete, that's when we have to recognize what is what is best for you, right? Obviously, the kids are going to come first. Your wife is going to come first. There are, there are aspects of life that are going to uh, of training that will change, but it doesn't mean that your goals need to disappear. Right. Yeah. For me, it, it doesn't change anything in terms of the long range goals. It just yeah. changes the short term makeup of my day and week. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and there's certain, there's certain aspects. There's certain, and maybe it means there's, there's a little bit more rigidity to a schedule. This is when I'm doing this. This is the, this time of day, uh, these days a week. Where right now things are a little bit more fluid, right? You can kind of run. Just it doesn't really matter what you get your five days of running in. Just get it done. Uh, but if things change, then we 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 apply more rigidity to it to allow for success to take place. So those are things that I'm I'm thinking of. I'm trying to be conscious of for down the road, not just for you, obviously for for many of the athletes in my personal care, of course. Um, right now, there's there's a lot of you know there's a lot of fluctuation going on <laughs> uh, for the for the fall season. Um, but I think for you as an athlete, I think we'll be able to manage it um, as long as your wife's on board and we can kind of figure out what it is we need to do. Yeah, well, here's the thing. Because we got, because I got the uh, the sponsorships, now I can say like, hey, I got to run. It's my job. 
That is true. <laughs> I can always just say that. Um, You're more of a professional runner than I am, my friend. <laughs> there you go. See, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a professional amateur runner. No. Um, oh, last thing um, is when do, again? I'm not saying I'm not saying this to say it should happen anytime soon, but I know one of the skills that I need to work on is performing on race day, no matter what my fitness level is. Yeah. That's just something that I have struggled with for a very long time. So with that being said, knowing that this isn't going to happen anytime soon, considering what we've already talked about in this podcast and this conversation, but when do you think putting races on the calendar would make sense so that I can kind of stay abreast of what's happening locally? I think October makes sense. Um, Mid-October, right? So we're, we're about eight weeks out from that. Um, and the reason I say that, I like to work backwards. If in three to four weeks we start adding in some structure, well, that puts us the first week of September, right? Um, and it doesn't have to be earth-shattering speed, but just a little bit of something. The, the amount of growth that you've seen uh, in these four to five, six weeks has been pretty staggering, right? And it's going to start to taper off a little, not too much, but a little. There's only so much better you're going to get with another uh, six weeks of 40-minute runs. And then the next six weeks of 40-minute runs, you're going to get even less out of it, right? So we have to change something. We change volume, maybe, or we change the, the intensity. And I, like, I, I, I envision changing the intensity. So if we change the intensity, I would feel comfortable four to six weeks into your first introduction to speed, just throwing you into the water a little bit and see what you do for a two mile or a, or a 5k. I'm not opposed to that being a small locally managed race that's in person. Um, and I'm not opposed to that being a solo effort virtually, uh, to try to execute uh, a race idea, uh, as a workout. Uh, but I think, We'll probably see that come around in the middle of October. It's a beautiful time of year to run in, in your region of the country for sure. So I don't want to I don't want to miss those opportunities. All right, I'm excited for it. All right, James, thanks for the call, and I'm excited to keep it going. All right, man. We'll 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 touch base soon, of course. All right, there we go. Another episode of Mastering 40. Thank you, Starla, Adrian, and James. Also, big ups to all of our sponsors. Prevenex, you can inside tracker, Atreyu, and Tracksmith. They are here for the long haul. I love those guys. And the reason that I'm so excited to partner with them is because I use them on a daily basis. I'm running in Atreyu shoes with Tracksmith gear. I'm drinking uh, you can on before, during, and after the run. I got my shake from Prevenex and I'm testing my body with inside tracker. They're part of this for the long haul, and I cannot thank them. More, make anything more than I already have. You know, that just, I just love everything they're doing. If you want to follow along, make sure you go to the blog, mastering40.com, or, or you just go to theramblingrunner.com and head on over to the blog. So, two ways to get there. I'm blogging twice a week about my path on Mastering 40. Also, you can go over to my Instagram page, rambling underscore runner, where I'm constantly updating over there as well. Thank you so much for listening and happy running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of InPost Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang.
yeah. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of storm brewing, amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry.